You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is December 14th, 2017. My name is Phil Prostenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Coming at you today with a post-game edition after the Magic fall to the LA Clippers 106-95. I'll have a complete recap of that game as well as a reaction to some of the comments made by Bismack Biombo and some of the other players in response to this game. Quite frankly, the Magic doing not doing the one thing, the one basic thing, that they must do and leaving some major questions for uh, just big questions that we've had about this team really for a while and then maybe they're finally coming to the fore or maybe it's all just lip service. So we'll talk a little bit about that on today's episode. Before we do that though, I do want to remind everyone that if you have not already, be sure to check out the other great podcasts on the Locked On NBA Podcast Network and the Locked On Podcast Network in general. Just about every team in the NBA has a Locked On Podcast just like this one covering every team with excruciating detail. You want to learn more about Friday's opponent, the Portland Trailblazers? Check out Locked On Blazers. If you want to learn more about the Clippers' perspective from Wednesday's game, check out Locked On Clippers. And of course, check out the Locked On NBA podcast for great interviews with movers and shakers around the NBA world, as well as local hosts talking about the big stories uh, nationally from a local angle. So check out the Locked On Podcast Network. Just search Locked On and the team you're looking for. So if you're looking for Locked On Magic, you found them, but you can search Locked On Magic on iTunes. Uh, and find them and subscribe that way. Be sure to check out the other great podcasts there, as well as the Locked On NFL podcast, if you have not already. So the Orlando Magic face the LA Clippers, two teams that have struggled with injuries, struggled to, to stay healthy, struggled to kind of find their footing. They've got virtually the same record now They after, after Wednesday's game. They have the same number of wins. Uh, and these are two teams that are still looking to get, their, get themselves steady uh, this season. And it was definitely it definitely showed in this game as both teams struggled mightily. But at the end, it was the LA Clippers that pulled ahead. Orlando uh, suffered a, a four, had an early lead, just gave up gave it up on a 14-0 run. They had some some lulls in their energy, some lulls uh, in in their efficiency and their effectiveness and execution. And of course, the Clippers took advantage of it. The Clippers kind of broke the spell before the Magic could figure out how to break the spell, and that was enough to win the game. The Clippers outscored the Magic 32 to 27 in the fourth quarter, 29 to 28 in the third quarter. That is enough to pull away and get an 11-point lead. Of course, uh, what really was the difference was kind of the Magic's own poor playmaking uh, in many ways. In the third quarter, Orlando uh, uh, kind of. It's hard to describe exactly what happened. I think. I think the Clippers made some shots. Orlando just could not break the Clippers' defense. Break the Clippers' defense. Um, yeah, Orlando's down a lot of key players. They don't have a lot of creators, and and frankly, they don't have a lot of shooters. Their starting lineup: Jonathan Simmons, Wesa Wundu, Nikola Vucevic, Mario Azonia, Alfred Payton. In this game, uh, Nikola Vucevic is the best shooter of the bunch there, which is really saying something, I think, and and it definitely showed as, as the Clippers really packed the paint and really made Orlando's life difficult trying to create offense. Orlando was seemingly forcing a lot of their offense, and so eventually the Clippers were able to take advantage, and they were able to get out in transition. They were able to, uh, to, to take advantage of every magic mistake, and Lou Williams had a fantastic game, had a fantastic second half especially, made the Magic's life miserable. Even even strong defensive efforts sometimes 
were not enough, but Orlando did not help themselves at all. Orlando also gave up um, some easy baskets that they really should not have given up. They uh, uh, were a little bit late getting back in transition on numerous times. They were you know, a little bit frustrated with their own missed shots for sure. Uh, and then eventually the Clippers were able to get those lobs to DeAndre Jordan that they'd been stopping all game. Uh, and, and of course, the Clippers were able to pull away and win the basketball game. At the end, the Clippers shoot only 44.3%. They had a 106 offensive rating, which is below the Magic season average. So the Magic did some good things. It's not that all things were bad for the Magic. But Orlando shoots only 42% from the floor. They had a 92 offensive rating. You're not going to win many games that way. They give up 12 three-pointers to the Clippers. Shoot only 12 for 21 from the foul line. 9 for 27 from beyond the arc. Um, just a lot of just... A lot of frustrating plays, and, and and I'll get and again, it just it, it it was a weird game in so many ways for that reason. It was just Orlando is so undermanned right now uh, that it's it's just difficult to you know they they have their margin for error is just so small, and when the Magic aren't able to kind of take that next step, aren't able to do kind of the little things you have to do to win basketball games. It's, it, 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 you know, when you're not doing those baseline things, it's going to be tough to win, even against a, a similarly undermanned team in the LA Clippers. Orlando, to, to, to a man, you know, at least who we talked to, said, we have enough to win. And so clearly, something else is at work here. Before we get into that something else, let's run through the numbers real quickly um, as the Magic fall to the Clippers. Jonathan Simmons leads the way with 20 points, 6 for 17, shooting 2 for 6 from beyond the arc, 6 for 8 from the foul line, 6 rebounds, 8 assists. Uh, I thought Simmons did some very nice things. I thought he had to force the ball a lot. Um, it was good to see him passing, good to see him get some assists. I think he's much more effective when he's looking to to play make rather than score, but Simmons' natural inclination is to try and score, and, and sometimes he kind of lowers his head and just goes all out at the rim, and that's not always the most effective way uh, for a guy like Jonathan Simmons to play. And so um, I, I I think Simmons did some really nice things. Um, I was very happy with the way Simmons played uh, overall, but definitely still trying to force things a little too much. And that's uh, that that's kind of where the magic are at with him. Uh, you know, I think, I, I don't know if he's, the right guy necessarily, but obviously he's what the Magic have, and and, and he, he produced points, so you got to give him credit for that. Mario Zonia scored 12 of his 17 points in the first quarter. He finished 6 for 11 from the floor, 2 for 6 from beyond the arc, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 turnovers as well, as well as 3 block shots. Um, this was Mario Azonia's best game in a very, very long time. Uh, you know, he got the start at power forward for the second straight game. He earned it. He's definitely earned uh, with with this game a, a little bit more playing time and a little bit and definitely an opportunity when Aaron Gordon does come back. Um, this 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 game showed a lot of what Mario Azonia can be. He shot effectively, made three pointers, which is a, a must for him. But on top of that, he rebounded really well. And honestly, you know, I, I often when I get into fights with people or get into conversations with people about Mario Azonia, and they ask, "Well, why isn't Mario Azonia playing more?" My answer is usually, well, what does Mario Azonia do at an NBA level? What is his NBA skill? It was supposed to be a shooting, but that hasn't necessarily come around quite yet in his career, and certainly not this year. So to see him make some shots, that makes him infinitely more valuable because now some of those other things are beginning to pick up. Mario Azonia is a, you know, for a guy with his with his with his uh profile, um, 
he is a pretty good rebounder. And I, I thought he was very effective on the glass in this game. On top of all that, I, I thought that Hisonia was good at getting the ball moving. Um, you know, there were there were definitely some moments in the half court where he tried to force play and that he can't do that. I don't want him putting the ball on the floor too much in the half court and transition. Absolutely go for it. He had a nice spin move that that nearly turned into something. Um but uh, he he's definitely very much more effective in the open floor rather than the half court off the dribble. These are all things we know about Mario, and it's just about doing them more effectively and, and producing something on the court. So to see him produce, to see him get this opportunity, to see him take advantage of it is very good for this young player. And, and again, if, if he gets a second opportunity, which I suspect he will, the Magic will need him to do something like this again. Nikola Vucevic, 14 points, 12 rebounds, 7 for 16 shooting, really struggled with his shot. Um, Magic absolutely need big games from Nikola Vucevic, and it wasn't even necessarily stuff that DeAndre Jordan did. I thought that Vucevic took a lot of good shots and just missed them, Um, whether it was mid-range jumpers or whether it was little bunny hooks or baby hooks. Um, Certainly Jordan's presence probably had a little bit of an effect on it, but not anything dramatic. Um, I thought that that Vucevic just missed shots, and, and, and unfortunately, with the Magic's margin for error so small, the Magic need Vucevic to make shots at an effective rate, and 7 for 16 is not going to get the job done for him. He added four steals and two blocks, continues playing really strong defense. Uh, I have to say, over the last week and a half, two weeks now, Vucevic has played some very, very good defense. It's unfortunate the Magic aren't getting the wins that this kind of defense deserves. I mean, I'll, I'll probably be writing something about this for Thursday or Friday and discussing it on tomorrow's show. Um, the Magic, you know, are a better team with Nikola Vucevic on the floor. Statistically speaking, they are better with Nikola Vucevic on the floor. He is one of their most statistically impactful players as much as everyone wants to kind of, as much as a lot of the conversation around Vuce is about other things when it comes to him, um, he still makes a huge, huge impact positive impact for the Magic, um, and and a lot of that's offensively, where his ball movement's really strong, and his shooting's obviously very good, um, but it's also defensively now, he's he's playing at a much higher level defensively right now, and, and we saw that. I thought he, he played masterfully on DeAndre Jordan for most of the game, played really good pick-and-roll defense, um, keeping Jordan off the glass and, and doing everything he could to help out there. Uh, finally, Alfred Payton, 13 points, 5 for 13 shooting, Four assists, four rebounds. Only Magic player of significance that finished positive in the plus-minus. Didn't feel that way. Did not feel like Alfred Payton had a good game. That shows you maybe why plus-minus isn't a great stat. But um, Payton, I thought, uh, was just, he was just kind of there. I mean, especially early on, um, you know, it, it's hard to get a read on Payton these days. So um, we'll, we'll uh, I guess, have to deal with that another day. Um, when it comes to comes to Alfred Payton, the bench struggles again. Bismack Biyombo three for three, DJ Augustin two for six, Maurice Spates two for six, Shelvin Mack three for seven. As the Magic fall to the LA Clippers once again, one hundred six to ninety five. And you know I didn't talk about it much in the first part of the show, but the big turning point for this Magic team, the big turning point in the game was. At about the four-minute mark of the third quarter, Orlando had called a timeout. They were down by three points at the time. They subbed in their their bench players. Augustin came in, Biombo came in, as did uh, as did Marie Spates. Uh, and you know it was about the time of the quarter there. You do go to your bench, so nothing unusual there. But in quick succession, the Magic gave up seven points, gave up a seven to two run, and all of a sudden found themselves down eight. 
And it wasn't that they gave up such a quick run that was so newsworthy. I mean, obviously, it, it happens. But it, it was the way they did. It was by a, a somewhat lethargic defensive effort. And I, don't, and, and I don't mean to single out Marie Spates, but Spates was laid on a closeout to Sam Decker. Decker hits a three. Spates kind of gets caught flat-footed. Decker cuts by him uh, along the baseline on a backdoor cut. He makes a layup, and now it's an eight-point game. Orlando never really made a run after that point. Vogel calls timeout, his second of the quarter. Comes back out with the same lineup, and the Magic continue to fall deeper into the hole. They continue to make some of these mistakes. One of the big mistakes that the Magic made throughout the night over and over again was failing to get back in transition. They would make a basket, They'd be a little slow getting back to the other end of the floor. And then the Clippers would get an easy basket. Stopping the momentum that the Magic might have had from a big bucket. That's kind of been the story. That was the story throughout the third quarter for the Magic. Forcing Vogel to call a third timeout. Orlando entered the fourth quarter with just one timeout. And of course, you have to use that timeout as a media timeout. Now, we can get into the rotation decisions, whether Vogel should have stuck with that same group after the second timeout, uh, whether Vogel goes too long with his start with his reserves, whether Vogel um, is a little too uh, reluctant to go deeper into his bench or, or unwilling to go deeper into his bench, which, you know, we can discuss that on and on and on and on again. And I, I don't think any of these issues are new with Vogel. They date back to his time with Indiana. But something that does need addressing is something that Bismack Biombo brought up pretty un, you know, provoked naturally about the team and its effort on Wednesday. I mean, being down a few guys, uh, I think we've been down that road before. It's not the first time. Uh, it's just for us, we um, we just gotta play hard. Uh, I think that's our problem right now, is, is not being shorthanded. We have enough players doing a ball game. Uh, we have talented guys. Just got to play hard every position. And, and, I, and I don't think at, at the end of the day, you know, we can lie to anybody by ourselves. Hopefully we, get, we all get to go home and look at ourselves in the mirror and see the job we're doing, if it's right or wrong. So... Um, uh, at the end of the day, you know, yeah, people can say we should be shorthanded. That's an excuse, man. You still got to get out there and get it done. Those are indeed some harsh, harsh words from Bismack Biombo. Essentially saying, we've got to play harder. We can't, we can't be lax in our effort. And no one was going to use the, the fact that the Magic were down. Several key players. I mean, Evan Fournier is still out with his sprained ankle. Terrence Ross, of course, still out with his sprained MCL and 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 fractured tibial plateau. Uh, Aaron Gordon did not clear the concussion protocol in time to play Wednesday's game. He is still, you know, probably... I, I, would, I would venture to guess he'll be back Friday, but he's still got one more stage of the concussion protocol to get cleared from before, uh, before he is ready to play. Um, and then, of course, Aaron Aflalo was out with back spasms. So a lot of... And Jonathan Isaac still, of course, out with his sprained ankle. Although, again... Some good news on that front. Coach Frank Vogel said that they they hope that he'll be able to practice some on Thursday. So his return does appear very imminent as well. So the Magic 
aren't using those absences as an excuse. Saturday against Atlanta, they had a two point they had a two point lead with a minute and a half to play. They had every opportunity to win that game. Wednesday night against the Clippers, they are in the game. They're up by eleven after one quarter. They're down by three late in the third. They had their opportunities to win that game and they could not break through. It's not a matter of being undermanned. The Magic believe they have the horses to win these games. So what is the difference at the moment? If you know me, if you've listened to this podcast, I don't like using I don't like discussing or or, or speculating on intangibles such as effort and, and intensity and, 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 and things like that. I don't like it. Mostly because it's, it's not for me to say that a guy isn't playing hard. Like, like, Biombo, like Biombo said there, you can only look yourself in the mirror and know exactly, um, exactly whether you have provided the effort that you need to provide your team. But undoubtedly, there, was, there were moments in Wednesday's game where the team did not bring the effort that it would need. The moments where the Clippers beat them down the court off of a made basket, where the Magic were late getting back in transition, where the Magic were jogging back, jogging back to get on defense. Those moments where they lacked intensity. Those are the moments that change games. Those are the moments that swing games, and when the Magic's margin for error is so small, like it is with all these players down. That's the difference from having an opportunity to win the game and skating to the end. It wasn't just Biombo who picked up on this theme. Other players did too. I think we just uh, didn't play with enough energy throughout the game. Uh, we started off pretty well. Uh, we, we went right up 10, 12. Then we just, uh, we just didn't play with enough energy throughout the whole game. It wasn't much excitement, it wasn't much anything going, we're just kind of flat out there, you know, kind of going up and down the court. Um, you know, and I feel like both teams did that for a while, and at the end they just pick it up a little bit, we didn't respond and they're able to you know, play the game. Down so many players. Energy, effort, intensity, whatever you want to call it. That is what makes up the ground. Why do we still talk about the heart and hustle team? Because that team, it wasn't because that team was great and had a ton of talent. It's because that team made up its talent deficit with heart and hustle. So Nikola Vucevic, again, I thought he played with fine energy. And Miss Mac Biombo, too, I would say played with fine energy. One, he had a block shot, eight rebounds, six points in his minutes. Nikola Vujic missed shots, but I thought he still played with a ton of energy. Great defensive energy, for sure. 14 points, 12 rebounds, 4 steals, 2 blocks. So, why are we still talking about this? Because none of these issues are new. I mean, I I wrote about them after a game about a month ago. Last year, we saw a team that would get punched in the mouth and kind of wilt or come out lifeless, struggle to struggle to find their energy, struggle to find themselves. These are the, the habits and, and, and the, the, the identity, I guess, that 
we thought the Magic were past when they got off to that hot start. But as we saw when they lost by 40 to Utah, when they got blown out for a string during that nine-game losing streak, that those habits haven't quite died completely. And obviously things didn't get that bad here. The Magic are in a better spot than they were back then. But at the same time, for a team that knows it has such a big gap to make, for a team that does have big playoff aspirations, rightly or wrongly, I think rightly, for a team that knows it can play so much better, why is energy and effort still a question? Why does this keep coming up? That's a great question that I don't have an answer for. I I can't even pretend to have an answer for it. Because I'm beyond trying to explain it. And again, it's not that guys aren't maybe playing hard. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, there are definitely some effort plays that the team didn't make Wednesday night. But there are definitely effort plays the team did make. I saw Wesley Owundu diving on the floor in the first quarter. I saw Alfred Payton digging out a loose ball on several occasions. The Magic were trying. Let's let's not get that wrong. It's not that they quit on this game. They were trying. Sometimes a little too hard. Sometimes in negative ways. Putting that effort in the wrong direction. But... How do the Magic direct that energy in a more positive direction? And how do they bring it every single night? Those are the questions that really a coach can't answer sometimes. Sometimes it might be as simple as injecting new energy in there, bringing in a player off the bench who's a little hungrier, who's got a little bit more of an edge, a little bit more urgency. That is something the Magic have missed, is a little bit of urgency at times. They don't go out there and take the game every all the time. And some of that might just be learning how to win, something this team really hasn't done or had to do. But here we are again on December 14th, 29 games into the season. Unsure if the team's going to have enough energy to win the game or compete. Unsure, down four important guys with the margin of error razor thin and small. Unsure if the team is going to bring the necessary output to remain competitive. This isn't crisis time or anything. But to hear these comments, to hear the team question their own effort, to admit we did not bring the effort that we needed in a situation like this, it certainly raises some red flags. I want to thank you all for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. You can, of course, find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. If you have not subscribed already, please do so and leave us a fantastic five-star review so that we can climb whatever ranking system that they use, uh, the mythical ranking system. We want to climb it. We want to be on the top there, so be sure to let everyone know how great the show is. And if it's not great, pretend that it is. We, we appreciate that as well. You can, of course, find the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnMagic, as well as like us on Facebook at LockedOnMagic. 
You can find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can also follow the website on Twitter at omagicdaily for the latest on the Orlando Magic as well. But that's going to do it for me today. Once again, the final score, the Los Angeles Clippers defeat the Orlando Magic 106-95. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I will see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.